I think this was really, really helpful for me when I was first diagnosed. My neurologist said, Emily, what you do today is going to benefit you 20 years from now. So don't think about this short term, this short term like vision, like think long term, because I think often we want quick fixes or we want our symptoms to go away. But really, the purpose of medication is to slow down disease progression, you know, reduce lesions preserve mobility. And so hearing that was huge because I was like, I'm 17. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? How are you fulfilled in life? What makes you feel good about yourself? What is your purpose? I assure you that I do not have the answer. Only you can answer that for yourself. Once you're able to define your purpose, your core values, essentially, everything else starts to fall into place. Today, we're going to explore the word purpose with my guest, Emily Riley. What attracted me to Emily was twofold. One was her tenacity. She has an undeniable energy that is contagious. And she is so genuine. And authenticity is very rare these days. So let's run down some of her stats. She lives in Alexandria, Virginia. She is a proud Air Force wife and a dog mom, just like me. She is passionate about empowering others. Along with faith, empowering others is where her purpose lies. So she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at 17 years old. She had just signed a four-year soccer scholarship. But that didn't stop her. Emily still went on to play all four years of college soccer and became an All-American goalkeeper. So like I said, tenacity. She is an ACSM certified personal trainer, certified group fitness instructor, and an SCW chronic disease fitness specialist. I don't know what any of those acronyms mean, but it sounds very important. Emily has been teaching adaptive fitness classes for our MS community for over seven years. Let's chat it up with Emily. Hi, thanks for being here with me. Thank you so much. Your kind words almost brought me to tears. It's just so encouraging to know that that's what people see. That's my hope. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I seriously love your energy. So Emily's on Instagram and we'll go over all of her socials later in the show, but I saw her, she posted recently. She's like running up the stairs. I think it was like the eye of the tiger music. And I'm like, go, go, go. And then she has somebody with her. Was that your mom? She's like encouraging her mom to come up the stairs and I'm like rooting them on as they go. And so that's the, definitely the vibe that I get from you, Emily. So I'm really happy to have you here today. And let's just start out and introduce your diagnosis story of multiple sclerosis to the listeners. Sure. So you can't tell, you know, audibly or even 
via Zoom that I'm over six feet tall. And so I'd like to say that my height did not go to waste. I, I grew up living a really active lifestyle group in the mountains of Arizona. And really my goal growing up was to go play college soccer, maybe go be a professional. And I was determined nothing would stop me. But as we all know, like life always has, we always encounter different detours. And it actually started when I was 15. I was getting ready for soccer practice and I was experiencing a lot of numbness and almost like when your arm falls asleep, but it was everywhere, my stomach, my hands, feet. And then I got that weird electric zing. Have you ever experienced that when you bend your neck and you get that weird electric shock? Lermite sign. Yeah, Lermite sign. Exactly. And so obviously those are not normal things to experience at, you know, 15. And so while the different tests, we got an MRI and they actually found a lesion on my neck, diagnosing me at first with transverse myelitis. And because of where the location of the lesion was, and because I was a goalkeeper, they're like, oh, I don't think you should play soccer anymore, just because they they just didn't really know what was going on. And I honestly thought my life was over, because that that was like where my life was heading. But then a few months later, we did another MRI and the lesion was gone. And so they're like, I don't know, go keep playing soccer. And so life continued fast forward a couple of years. And that's I had just signed a soccer scholarship in October of 2005. And I was in the best shape of my life. And then that next month, my life changed forever. I was running sprints at soccer practice, but noticed my legs were super heavy. And I there came a point where I couldn't really stand up anymore. I was taking a lot of naps. So like any high schooler, they assumed it was mono. But because of that previous neurologic history, they're like, let's just get MRI, see what's going on. And that's when they found multiple lesions on my spine, diagnosing me with MS. And that was really hard. I still remember that when my parents came to me and told me that they found lesions on my spine and they were diagnosing me with MS. And I kind of found myself at this like fork in the road, like, uh, what is my life going to look like? Can I, should I go down this road of letting this disease and this diagnosis stop me from pursuing my goals or take it on head on, you know, faith and determination. And like you said, I'm, I'm not a quitter. I've got a lot of tenacity. And so I was like, I'm not gonna let this stop me. And so got connected to an MS specialist who got me on a disease modifying therapy and told me two really important things, get on a disease modifying therapy and don't let it stop you go play soccer. And so that's what I did. And 16 years later, I can say MS has not stopped me. This upcoming year will be 17 years. So it'll be like, I will have lived as long with MS as I've for when I was diagnosed. So that's kind of like an interesting point in time, you know? I think maybe a time to stop and reflect a little bit on, you know, all of the things that have occurred since then. Do you have any lingering effects from your initial relapse? Have you had other relapses? Yeah. When I was in college, I had my first bout of optic neuritis. That was scary. You know, losing your vision, whether like mine was in my right eye, it did get me out of finals. So there's the silver lining in that, you know? (laughs) So I've experienced optic neuritis a couple of times. Most of my symptoms are more sensory. So from numbness, tingling, some spasticity, those are some of the things. And then I recently started recognizing more cognitive challenges, which is a symptom that often rears its ugly head, which is really a hard one to figure out what to do about other than like, you know, seeing a neuropsychologist and getting some cognitive tests done and just being aware of that. And so that's kind of a symptom and some spasticity and then fatigue, especially if life gets busy or stressful. But for the most part, my MS is is pretty mild, I guess, if you want to call it that. It just depends on how hard I push myself. Yeah, that rest thing. It's always like this little reminder, make sure you sleep enough and 
don't get stressed out and all of that business. And so a couple things from your story resonated with me. So the Lermit sign piece, like the only people that have that are people with MS. And so it's interesting, you know, they found the lesion, but nobody ever wants to diagnose MS because they think it is this really, you know, horrible thing. And it does affect the rest of your life, but I love what your neurologist said about not letting it stop you. And you really didn't. And so the experiences that you have had have led you here today. So I'm assuming that is why that you're in the business you're in now. Yeah. I think what I recognized in college, like staying active was just so good. It just was good for me in so many different ways, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally. And I had a really cool opportunity back in 2010, so it was my senior year in college, to be part of this fitness DVD for people living with MS. And they and they showed different variations, like people who use wheelchairs to who might use assistive devices because of balance issues, and then people who were like me, more ambulatory. And I think what that showed me was that, okay, like no matter what someone's ability level, they really can stay active. That's awesome. So then I met somebody at a MS walk and so a staff member and was like, Hey, do you guys have any like adaptive fitness classes for the MS community? Like, no, but if you're interested, we'll totally partner with you and help you start that. And so that is what changed my career from marketing into the fitness industry, because I really wanted to empower people to know that like, no matter what your limitation, you can keep moving. And that's kind of my motto. And so I got to learn alongside some neuro rehab people to understand, because like, even though we both live with MS, our symptoms look different, our levels of ability look different. And so I really had to learn too, like what else is important, hand-eye coordination, um, dexterity, cognition, like all these different aspects that I might not experience all the time. So that really helped me help design all of my classes. And so, I, yeah, I've been teaching for the last seven years. I work full-time for the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. I work with healthcare providers as a healthcare provider engagement manager, but I also get to use my expertise to help with content, which has been really fun because at the end of the day, that's what I'm most passionate about. You're multi-talented, young lady. This is so great. I didn't know these things about you. And wow, that's really awesome that you've made all of those different connections too. I love what you said about we got to keep moving, but I, and I know, listen, I know people say, well, exercise releases endorphins. And then let me tell you, when I get home from exercise, I just want to take a nap and take a shower because I'm all sweaty and all of that. And, you know, I feel accomplished, but how does exercise improve your cognition? Oh man. In a lot of different ways. I mean, even like I, I enjoy a good Zumba class. I love a dance fitness class. And so even that like learning choreographed movements is just really good. There's this term called neuroplasticity. It's the idea of like rewiring our nerves to maybe remember, oh, this is an arm that I'm connected to, but because of MS, sometimes it can affect that. Any type of choreographed movements like dance can really help with cognition and it really can help boost mood too. I mean, it's so interesting. MS can cause depression and anxiety and other mood disorders or just living with a chronic disease can do the same, but exercise can really help help that too. And sometimes it's just a good yoga class. And so a lot of the times when I do classes, I'll incorporate some like mind sort of kind of games. So maybe I'll be calling out a number and that's associated with whatever side of the body, like odd numbers will do left. So you're actually incorporating your mind and moving at the same time. So it's just, it's just been really fun, but most people don't know they're actually working their brain, but they are in just a fun, different way. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's so neat. I really had not thought about that before, but it makes complete sense. The coordination piece for sure. And all of what you do seems to also help with balance, which is something that I struggle with, especially going down the stairs, man, that that's a struggle. I got to stop and hold on to the railing. But tell us a little bit more about what you do with people with MS. Like, is this online? Is it in person? And what is the focus? Is it individualized? Yeah, so I started teaching classes in person. That was, yeah, like seven years ago. And the the whole goal, A, was just to kind of get people moving and get them, let them experience fitness in like a way that feels successful. The worst feeling is going to a workout class and feeling totally defeated because maybe you weren't able to accomplish whatever goals were set or you felt kind of left out because it was not adaptable and the trainer didn't know how to do that. And I felt like that in classes and I'm, you know, I'm an athletic person. I can, I can do a good boot camp, but there've been times when I felt leaving really defeated and that can give somebody a bad taste in their mouth when it comes to exercise, which we really need to make sure it's consistent. But as we all know, the pandemic really shifted things for everybody. And I was like, if I can't meet in person, MS is a really isolating disease anyways. And so what's really cool about being able to teach online is that it makes it accessible for anybody anywhere. So I teach live classes via Facebook, and then I partner with a couple of wellness programs in Pennsylvania, even though I live in Virginia, and I teach classes for those support groups. I'll join support groups and do classes. I do it for a couple of different providers. And at the end of the day, I want to empower people to move and to know that they can move and and I try to make it fun. And if it's a smaller class, then I can really individualize it. But what I realized when I became a certified personal trainer that I actually much prefer a group fitness setting than one-on-one. I don't know. I just really love that community aspect of it. Agreed. I think that everybody encourages each other and that really helps. I don't love going to do things by myself like that. I like when other people are going, are you going to class today? And, oh my gosh, that was awesome. Or, you know, you're getting feedback from other people about how it's helped them. And it it really does encourage me. So I feel like you are living into your purpose and having this shift into this different field that you didn't expect to be in and all of your talents with soccer are really helping so many other people. And I just, I love that for you. And thank you for, from us for being that person. So you also said that faith was really important to you in your life. How does that lead you in a specific direction? Growing up, faith was just like a huge part of my life. But I think when I was diagnosed, that really made my faith like more personal. I mean, I'm sure everyone who grows up in a household where you go to church together, like it's just what you do but it really became my own when I realized like, okay, like my body is not really my friend right now. And and I don't know what the future looks like, which is a really scary, unpredictable thing. But what my faith is, is for me is really an anchor. What's been really cool is to see how the Lord's really used this diagnosis as as an opportunity yeah, to come alongside people and use it for good. And one of the really cool things was after I was diagnosed, I kind of had clung to a verse to kind of give me some encouragement, which was Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, which just so happened to be the verse of the college that I went to Dallas Baptist university. And after I was diagnosed, I had to reach out to my, my college coach just to be like, Hey, by the way, I have this diagnosis, not knowing if they would still take me. 
And the crazy thing was, was I had a teammate who had MS. And so it was almost like this divine, this divine, you know, moment where you're like, wow, I chose the school not knowing. So it was just like a really encour- encouraging to me. And, and so, yeah, so the Lord really used, used this to strengthen my faith. I mean, I have tattoos all over me as reminders of like, okay, God's my anchor. Like apart from him, I can do nothing. And, and so when, when days get really hard and when things are challenging, that's really what gives me hope and gives me, gives me strength. For sure. It's so interesting how people come into your life. And there are so many people that I'm friends with in our MS community, like very good friends. And I never would have known them probably at all had I not been diagnosed. And they mean so much to me. And just having that other person on your team. Well, I think it was an interesting experience because everybody handles their diagnosis differently. And I think it showed me that I really want to come alongside newly diagnosed people and, and really be open about my diagnosis. Like I tell everybody, even like employees, when I first have interviews, like I'm not afraid because I think it's really important to like share those things to help educate and encourage. And so we actually didn't talk about it ever, which was interesting. And, And I think at the end of the day, like everyone's going to handle it differently. But I think for me, what it showed me was like, okay, like I want to be a support system for somebody. So you don't feel alone because meeting at somebody else who's young living with MS is, is really, it's becoming more common maybe, but back then it wasn't. So, so yeah, it was just an interesting learning opportunity. And it just really showed me that how important it was for me to be open about my diagnosis. Yeah. All of these life experiences again, are leading you to this same place And it's super empowering for us to see others of us persevere. And so let me ask you this, because it sounds like you are just this mentally healthy woman. And as we move into this season three, I, you know, we identify our core values now, but there's so much more to it to keep that going. And one of the things that we're, we're talking about is practicing gratitude. Is that a component of your daily life? It's definitely something I really want to incorporate more into my life. I mean, I love journaling and often my journals look different depending on, you know, what's going on. And I love that you say that I seem like mentally strong. It's only because I, I have wonderful healthcare providers, mental health providers who have helped me along the way. I mean, Life in general is challenging. I'm a military spouse, which adds a challenge. And then I have a chronic disease, which is another challenge. And so mental health professionals have been a huge part of my life for the last few years, which I'm super thankful for. And they've really helped guide me. And I was actually talking yesterday with one of my counselors about gratitude. And I've just noticed life is just super busy and chaotic a lot. And so we were talking about how how do we find time to be intentional And what does that look like? And so she was talking about these five senses and like, when you sit outside, like, what do you hear? Like, and notice that and, and, and be thankful for that. Or what are you tasting? What are you smelling? And like using those five senses as moments of gratitude and also seeing like for my faith part, like seeing God in all these different places, even in the busyness of life. And it made me think of, I, I've done a couple of meditations, uh, scripts for some, some of my slower classes and, One of them I love, it just talks about how like when you breathe in and you breathe out, like you have breath in your lungs, which means you have purpose today. Like just that, that in general is just like you have purpose today because you still have breath in your lungs or after a workout class, like 
think of how your body's moved for you today. Like be thankful for that because every day is so different with MS and really focusing on celebrating those little victories of like, what did you get done today? Celebrate that. Even if it was just getting laundry done or going for a walk today, I think that just really changes our mindset. That whole attitude of gratitude thing is, is true. And because MS can be really discouraging if we sit in it and think of all the things that it's taken away from us rather like, how am I? My motto is stronger than MS. Oh, well, I did this, this, and this today. Like, take that MS, you know? So that's a little bit, I think. So I want to do it more and I want to journal about it more. So I'm reminded on those days where, where I'm a little bit more low. Yeah, it, it comes up more when we need it. And doing it on a daily basis, I think, helps us recognize all those little things to celebrate that you were talking about. And the idea of sitting in nature has come up more and more as I talk to more thrivers, just appreciating the breath. Been trying that breathing technique where you breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for four, and then you exhale for six. And just the intentionality of it is so real. And it does make you stop and and say, this is me right now in the present moment and it helps but doing that in nature too and being very aware of your surroundings i'm in love with your therapist maybe i need her number (laughs) she's wonderful those relaxation breathing techniques you're talking about you only do it for a minute and you just feel like tension kind of go away it's amazing what it does physiologically and mentally all the things and or even before sleep, if my mind is running, like you really have to focus your attention on hold that breath, you know, and I don't know. So Emily, you do have some unique things going on and being a military spouse, how do you cope with hmm. that? Ugh, that's an, a challenge in itself because the unfortunate thing is that MS has stopped us from being able to go certain places. And that's been really challenging to not, to not make it feel like it's my fault that we couldn't go overseas and we've tried multiple times. But at the same time, I have to trust that maybe that door closed for a purpose. What I've realized is because my husband, he is in the Air Force and he flies a lot. And so recognizing the importance of community. I mean, together we are stronger. And so for me, what's super important that kind of helps keep me grounded is finding that community to support me and to help educate them on like, you know, if I have an infusion or, hey, if I have a relapse and Kevin's gone, who do I turn to? Like, I need somebody to like help if I need that. And so just recognizing the importance of community, I think that's just in general, whether you're a military spouse or not. So, but I'm super proud of, you know, getting to be a part of it and even the challenges that come (laughs) with, with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I like how you say that we need to rely on our community because I hands down think ours is the best and we just so support each other because we know how it's just me. I could be alone on an island, right? Because my symptoms are just mine, but there are people that I can talk to about it. And so I'm glad that you've found your people to do that with. And hopefully, I'm sure people listening to you right now will be adding you to their community as they can relate with what's going on with you. You mentioned that you get infusions. What DMT are you on? I'm on Ocrevus. This is my fourth medication. Ooh, tell us more about that. 
Yeah, that's been an interesting journey. I mean, back in 2005, there were only four medications available and they were all injectables. But what I really appreciated about my neurologist was I really feel like when it comes to disease modifying therapies, it should be a shared making decision, you know, between you and your doctor, not just like, here are 22 medications you choose. Like, you know, we have to really think about like, what's my lifestyle? What's something I'll actually be consistent with and compliant with and what my insurance covers and all of that. So I started off with Avonex, which... I was a I was a, a wimp for the first few years and I couldn't do my shots myself. So the nurse at the school did them for me. And then finally I was like, Emily, suck it up. Put a piece of chocolate in front of you. Do do the damn thing and just give yourself the shot and then you get chocolate afterwards. Like that was my reward. But then when I got optic neuritis, I recognized that, that there was some disease breakthrough and it was time to change. And I actually switched to Tysabri, even though I was JC virus positive, just because I have a lot of life left to live. And I was ready. I didn't care. I kind of really wanted to try one of those higher potency drugs just to really halt things, knowing that there's kind of a window of time of some safety precautions from PML. So I was on Tysabri for about three or four years until my numbers got too high where my risk of PML was too scary for me. I mean, everybody has their own risk benefit threshold. And for me, I was like, it's time to change. So then I switched to Tecfidera which was fine. I mean, I have birth control in my arm because I can't remember to take pills. So I was like, Ooh, taking pills to manage my disease. This will be interesting. But I was on that for about four years until I had a new lesion on my spine, which is what made me change to Ocrevus. So I've done a little bit of everything, but what, what I really loved, and if, if someone who's newly diagnosed is listening to this, I think this was really, really helpful for me when I was first diagnosed. My neurologist said, Emily, what you do today is going to benefit you 20 years from now. So don't think about this short-term, this short-term like vision, like think long-term because I think often we want quick fixes or we want our symptoms to go away, but really the purpose of medication is to slow down disease progression, you know, reduce lesions, preserve mobility. And so hearing that was huge because I was like, I'm 17. Like I have a lot of life left in me. So I got, I got, what do I have control over now? And it was, it was doing that. So that would, that would be like my huge piece of advice for someone who's newly diagnosed, knowing that like I'm almost at that 20 year point and it's true. Like I've preserved my mobility because of the disease modifying therapies that are out there. Everything that we do today is hopefully going to impact what happens in the future. And I have some friends, you know, everybody has their own opinion about all of the DMTs and the, you know, holistic living and, and all of those things. So I really try not to eat dairy and gluten as much as possible. And let me tell you, there are some pizza nights that happen at my house. But on a daily basis, I really try to get that gluten out because I don't know what the impact is going to be later. And there are people that don't have any progression that I know and have had MS for 15 years. And they certainly eat some gluten and they don't do their exercise and they have been on the same DMT and no breakthrough lesions. But like we were saying before, everybody is different. And so I need to make decisions now that I believe will positively impact me in the future. And even if those things that I'm working on now are just impacting my mindset to make me feel like I'm doing the best I can, then I think that's worth it. What are your thoughts? No, I totally agree. I always think like, what are things that I have control over? Like I, you know, like, okay, getting out of disease modifying therapy to getting vaccinated so that I can kind of protect myself to making sure I'm eating healthy and fueling my body 
well, you know, like there are some things that are just out of our control. Like I had no choice in genetics in my body or however, you know, this disease came about, but I do have a choice in the way I move my body, the food that I put in my mouth, which can include chocolate cake. And everybody has the choice to make those decisions, but just to understand that sometimes our decisions do have implications, but there's so much cool research going on. I mean, with the National MS Society on diet and like really understanding what is the impact on disease progression to symptoms. And and so I'm really excited to continue to learn because maybe I'd be more compliant to a diet if it was like, this will do X, Y, and Z. I'll be like, okay, fine. I will give up the chocolate cake if means whatever. There's been a lot of recent developments in research. And the recent piece that was released from Walls and Swank and, you know, saying that if you eat these components that it could slow down the progression and all of these things. And having the MS Society recognize that now, I think is a really big deal because a lot of people rely on the MS Society for information and not just now for DMTs, but also for all of these other components. They talk a lot about mindset and they focus on healthy living. And I think that that's really important for that message from them to be out there. And for you to be a part of that's pretty cool. Yeah. No, I feel like I'm a very well-informed patient and person living with MS, which I think is important. I think we, we are our own best advocates. And so, if, you know, if we're learning things and bringing that to our doctors and asking them them hard questions too, you know, rather than just taking whatever they give us and calling it good. Like, I think it's okay to, to be educated and to have those questions. And so I'm really proud of the work that the society is doing, especially when, I mean, they're funding a lot of research, like on walls and some other Mediterranean diets and on, on wellness. Cause the thing is, is like, we've recently changed our mission to including, we will cure MS while empowering people living with their, their best lives. Meaning like, yes, we're working on this, this future of maybe no MS or slowing MS or all those things. But like, how do we empower people right now? That's by helping them knowing how to live, live well by through exercise and diet and, mental health and, you know, all these different things, which is important because what do we do right now? Super proud of the work. I feel very honored to be able to get to work and know things. And I love being able to share resources with people because um, knowledge is power. And if we don't advocate for ourselves and reach out for that knowledge, we're not going to get it. So Emily, let me see if I can wrap us up here because this is a lot you've said that's great. So no matter your limitations, you can keep moving neuroplasticity is a real thing and we need to make sure that we keep nurturing our mind as we nurture our body so that we can regrow all of those nerves. You said my diagnosis is an opportunity. God is my anchor. Apart from him, I can do nothing. Rely and use your mental health professionals because they're there for a reason and we need to reach out to them if we need them. Be intentional. Use your five senses to experience gratitude. Breath in your lungs means you still have purpose. Celebrate the little victories, which I'm totally on board with. I'm all about it in a healthy way, right? Not necessarily with a cocktail, which is what I used to do. Anyway, how am I stronger than MS? We got to ask ourselves that, and it definitely motivates me. I'm going to write that on a sticky and keep it here and ask myself that exact question. Trust that when a door closes, there's a purpose for that. 
there's a reason why, and we don't recognize it in the moment, but we have to trust that there is a path for us. And if you have found your purpose, like Emily has, then we know that there's a reason why she's still here in the U.S. with us. Recognize the importance of community and what you do today impacts the long term. Emily, wow, I'm so glad we got to chat today. Please tell people where they can find you. Sure. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Keep Moving with Emily. I also have a YouTube channel with over 100 videos, seated and any options, ways to get moving. So subscribe to my YouTube channel. Everything's free. Find me on Facebook. I teach two live classes a week. So I just want to make sure people keep moving and I'm happy to get connected with you. But thank you so much for letting me join you. This was such an honor and pleasure. I thank you for just sharing this information with the community. I think it's important for us to get connected because we are all in the same boat and it's such an encouragement to be able to talk to somebody who understands. It's an honor to be able to talk with all you thrivers and it's just, it's, I say this all the time. It's kind of selfish because I'm getting all this information from you guys and making these great connections. So I am the one that is grateful. And if you would like to learn more about your core values or how to live into gratitude, please join me on my website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com where you'll find lots of resources for that. And you can connect with me personally there. Everybody and Emily, please keep thriving. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. Keep thriving.